and learning more about others. I'm your host for today's episode, Dalen Turk, and joining me today is probably the most charismatic man I've ever met in my entire life, and that is Clint Tyler. <laughs> wow, that is, a, that is quite the, the, the build-in. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Hello, thank everybody. you. Uh, thank you for joining me, Clint. So for those who don't know, Clint and I have known each other for... Eight-ish years, nine years, eight years, something like that, give or take. Um, and Clint is one of my dearest friends. He's someone that I've admired the whole time that I've known him. Um, he's just an incredible human being, and he's part of the whole Grizz crew that is like our core friend group that we all hung out with in college. And we try and keep in touch. Clint went away, and uh, it's kind of a topic of today's episode we're going to talk about because he left to go to law school. Which sounds wild, <laughs> I gotta say, Clint. And I'm interested to talk to you because I think we're kind of part of the same coin here. Because uh, for those who know, you know, I have a degree in photojournalism, radio broadcast, but I've gone down a career path of athletics operations, which obviously not a very straight arrow path to go on. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. I understand that your undergrad was French, and then you decided to go to law school. Was law school something that you always had in mind, or was that something where you kind of had an epiphany of like, hey, this is a path I want to go down? What what sent you down that road? Brilliant question. Um, and you're a great host, just a tangent. Um, yeah, so, oh, man, so many so many ideas racing through my head. Um, so I guess it was kind of like where I grew up. So I'm in Georgia and I was born and raised in Georgia. And then I left and Dalen and I met in Montana and I've done some traveling. Um, and so kind of where I grew up, it was like, you know, there's a right way and a wrong way to do things and like be practical, et cetera, et cetera. And so the undergraduate that I went to before Montana, it was like, um, you know, pretty much you're going to do business or medicine type deal. That's right. Um, I forgot that you were you went somewhere before UM, didn't you? I did. I did. Went to a school in Rome, Georgia called Barry College. <laughs> um, and so and so, yeah. And so it's like I was kind of on this path about like, you know, doing something practical. But then like gen eds, love them, hate them you know, they do open your world. And that's where I got introduced to French. And so I was like, well, here's something that I love that has nothing to do with, you know, uh, science and or business, even though that's not really true, but you know, like generally speaking. Um, and so I always like wrestled with that. Um, it's like, I had this like secret passion, but then I wanted to be like practical. Um, and so when I came to Montana, I was starting out as like French and business. Um, and and so anyways um i had to like because uh i was on the uh long long uh long path for uh for graduating but but anyways like to make things like shorter i had to pick one major so i put french but i always knew kind of like in the back of my pocket that like at barry they told us that that like hey you can have any degree and you know go to law school um but i always felt like that was going to be like selling my soul to the corporate devil or like you know like setting setting yourself short right um because i wanted to be a person of like passion and exuberance and like um you know carpe diem seize the day type thing um and so i don't know it's like i always kind of had it in the back of my my mind but then um yeah i kind of kept trying to pursue the french thing and kind of like how you were saying you know your degrees in one thing but then what you're doing is very different well and then you, um, you spent what two years living in france yeah um Technically, yes, but also technically it was like it was two six month periods. Gotcha. So like okay. it was over years, but like if you add it up, it was like one year. Gotcha. All um, right. But yeah, and so anyways, like um fast forward, I worked at a uh, a summer camp for children with special needs in Arkansas. Um and I was like, 
I was like, this is great. Like, I'm going to be like living my philanthropic, you know, life and like, you know, doing all these wonderful things. And it was a nightmare. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. It was one of the worst experiences of my life. Like, it's, I mean, it's not for everybody, man. I, I did it for a summer. I was a, a fishing guide for uh, the, oh God, it's called More. It's basically a youth program for Missoula Parks and Rec. And okay. it's a lot. Like, it's yeah. not for everybody. Absolutely not. No, no. Um, and so, yeah, like the camping world's its own thing, but like even bigger picture, like, have you seen Tiger King? Oh, Tiger King. Yes, absolutely. That was like very similar to our experience. Oh um, my goodness. Are you serious? Yeah. And so oh, we're out no. in the middle of like nowhere and just like a lot of different power dynamics going on. Wow. Like crazy. And so I got to this place where it was like, when you see people who are rich, smart, and powerful, in positions of power and then like you can't do anything about it uh, because they're rich smart and powerful um and you're just like this isn't right but they're getting away with it mm-hmm. um and so that was kind of like the final domino that was like you need to go to law school so i'm hoping that like eventually you know i can reconcile uh like the french with the law but as of right now i have no idea what i'm doing uh <laughs> so if you got any career advice please tell me but um, but no, I'm just like keeping it open and yeah, if international law works out great. But if not, like, I love like, you know, talking about French in my, my, um, spare time and stuff like that. Yeah. So is there like a specific, is there anything in mind that you have right now? You know, you, like you said, you just mentioned international law when you got into law school, were you more focused on just, okay, I'm in school, let's get through this. Or were you like, okay, this is the specific route I'm going um so with with that experience um i just i wanted to make sure that like if i were to ever like witness anything like that again or like be in that position again that like i would be equipped so that like i could stand up and like not be bullied around because fun fact um people throw around the word like lawsuit and i'll sue you and all this stuff right nine times out of ten it's like an empty threat and they don't know what they're talking about um <laughs> you don't so say scare tactics do work and so if, if you don't know like people use i mean really like knowledge is power so they use your ignorance you know against you but no i have no idea um i think practically i'm gonna do something that i won't really like for the first few years to pay off right. you know my debts um so i'm probably gonna try and do like some big corporate law for a little bit but then after that I'd love to be able to open up like my own practice and then kind of like be my own boss. No, that's, I mean that to me, at least that makes sense as you following, you know, knowing the person that you are is going down a route of practicing law in a form that you're very passionate about, because I don't see you personally as somebody who's just going to stick with the grind and just do that for the rest of your life. Like I definitely (laughs) see you as someone who's like, all right, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to change or, you know, have an impact on. This is what I'm going to go after. And so it's it's nice to hear that you have that in mind because that's definitely the type of person I see you as. Well, I, I appreciate that, Dalen. Um, and going off of that, I guess it takes one to know one. You know, I, I think that hopefully this is what this, this podcast is as well as, you know, building up your, your resume to, to get into the, the journalism. Cause I know how much, yeah, you, that's, you know, that's a, that's a big part in your life. You know, we'll see what happens, right. You know, I, for those who maybe this is your first episode, whatever it may be, um, you know, I created this show to, and I was explaining this to Clint before we started talking here was that I created the show to just have an environment for myself, for, you know, my guest, for anybody who may listen to just, get rid of all the toxic just garbage that you know you see all over social media the internet and just have an opportunity to just learn about somebody you know learn about someone's passions their life what they're going through whatever it may be and just connect with people that you know Clint and I've known each other for almost a decade now like or maybe learn about someone that you don't even know it's just <laughs> you know I just I wanted to create that environment and so I was really excited for you to come on because I know you've been working your butt off going through school and, you know, we try and keep in touch as much as we can, but you're busy. I'm busy sports all over the place. And so I was excited to sit down and learn more about this with you. Um, 
But before we started, I was having some computer issues, and you mentioned that you were working on a lecture. And does are you? And I guess we'll start off here. How what is law school like? How do you get into law school? And then like what what do you do when you're in law school? Because it's so beyond me. I feel like when people hear about the really intense schooling, it's either you know medical school or law school. And so it's it's kind of a world that I know nothing about. So when you got into it, were you prepared? <laughs> like what 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 were you thinking when you got into law school? Because I, I remember talking to you when you're taking the or preparing to take the LSAT. Yep. That's the like the entry test or whatever. So yeah, yeah. yeah. What was your yeah, mindset so, going into it? Uh <laughs> I, I don't know what I was thinking. Um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it really makes you question a, a lot about your life, but in a good way, in a good way. Um, so, yeah. So you have to just have like a bachelor's degree from pretty much, I guess, an accredited school. Um, and right. it doesn't matter in any degree. Um, and then you have to, um, you know, fill out an application and letters of recommendation, essays, stuff like that. Um, but then the big thing is the LSAT. Um, and it frustrates me cause like, I'm so terrible at uh, standardized testing. And really? so if you're familiar, yeah, yeah. With the SATs that like you could have done terrible in high school, but if you score perfect on the SATs, like you can pretty much get into like an Ivy league school. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of the same thing with like, as long as you weren't like an idiot, like an undergrad, like if you do really well in the LSAT, then all of the law schools because it's like they all want to be better than each other so then it's mm -hmm. like oh dalen scored a 170 which is really good and clinton only <laughs> scored a 150 which is average they'll be like we want dalen um and so it's like i could have been like better and anything and everything than you were but you got that 170 interesting and it's like dalen's the the prettiest girl at the ball we want her or him um <laughs> and so uh so yeah, so then you take that and then there's a waiting process. But fun fact with mine, that was like pre-pandemic slash beginning of the pandemic. So I was deciding and I was going to go out of state. I was going to go to either like Vermont, Boston or um, Really? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to get out of Georgia. I was done. And then the pandemic hit. And I like freaked out and because nobody knew anything at the beginning. Um, and so I like um, very like scared, uh, very scaredly, that's not a word, but um, applied to a school in state. And then like they processed my application in like a week, which oh, is wow. unheard of because I like, for example, like I applied to LSU in like maybe November or December and I didn't hear any back anything back from them until March. But you got to, you got to be honest with me to. here. Yeah. Did you apply to UT? <laughs> no, no. Oh. Cause UT's, UT's so good. Like UT's like top 50 in the nation. Is like, it really? Wow. Yeah. There was no way I was getting it. <laughs> um, and so, but like, so to give you an idea, I applied to like, I want to say like 14 schools. I think I got into about half of them. Even that, um, but the, the application process has to be exhausting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I spent several hundred dollars on applications because it was Ooh. just like, you're like, I'm, like if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it, you know, completely. Like I'm going all in. Um, and I didn't want it to be because like an undergrad, I only applied to like a few schools. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm one of those people where it's like, you got to give it your all right. and, and like kind of leave no stone unturned. And then, and then when all the decisions are like there for you, then you're like, Hey, you like some doors closed for me that like, you know, I'm not worried about that anymore. Like I, there's never, like, I never want to be one of those people who like the, the, what if like, Oh, well, what if I'd have done this? Like, no, you got to exhaust all your options. So, so anyways, I did that. And then to answer your question, yeah, what's it like? Uh, a lot of reading and a lot of writing. Um, Saturday, <laughs> I spent about, or last Saturday, not this Saturday, but I guess two Saturdays ago, I spent about eight hours just reading the chapter or reading my, my chapters. Holy um, cow. And then it's not like you're reading, you know, like Harry Potter or, you know, Jack ran over the hill. I mean, it's like, it's like reading, you know, like instruction manuals. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're like... reading dense law books. <laughs> like, yeah, you're not reading Stephen King by any means. No, no. Um, and so your first year is kind of like basically like your first semester of college, like all over again, 
where they, at least the college I went to, you know, they, they picked my schedule for me. So I didn't like have any say in it. Um, really? And this was crazy. Wow. Yeah. So they signed me up for 16 credits, which like, I'm a big believer in like less is best. Um, 16 which is one of the reasons that's why a I... pretty solid load, man. Oh yeah. And especially <laughs> for your first semester. Yeah. Um, and so, but that's why I graduated, um, a little bit longer for undergrad, but Hey, um, but yeah. And, and so anyways, then, yeah. And then my whole year was in zoom. So like, I didn't meet anybody like my entire first year. That's um, going to so be really tough. Like I, yeah. I hear about like my little cousins in high school right now. You know, I'm talking to some of our, uh, my friends at UM who are still going to school and I don't think I would survive well in a Zoom world. Like I, I'm so much more of a like an interactive learner, having discussions in the class yeah. and having debates and you know interacting with the professors and the classmates. I don't know if I could survive in a Zoom world. Like that would be, that would be tough for me. You know, oh, I would dude. do my best, I guess, but it would be really difficult. Oh yeah, yeah, no, and I I second that, and that's what's just so crazy is like. Cause I'd taken online, um, maybe one, maybe two. Uh, but I know one for sure, you know, at UAM, um, I took an online class and that wasn't that bad, but like zoom fatigue is real. Um, and zoom there fatigue. was, I hadn't heard that term before. Oh, That's haven't. pretty good. No. And so it's just like, you're in meetings all day on zoom and you just, I mean, you know, it's just human physiology, psychology, whatever you want to call it. But like, you can only focus for so long and especially at a screen. Yeah. Um, and like how you're saying, you know, without the interaction. Um, and so like, there were some days where I have like three classes and then as a first year, you've got to do all of these, like welcome to law school things. Um, and a lot of law school, I feel like is just an endurance test. Um, <laughs> And so anyways, so like there were some days where it was like I was on Zoom for like six hours. Um, Holy cow. Maybe, so at three is four and a half. And then, OK, that was a little big, but it was close to like five, five ish. And you just like, that's a long time staring at a screen. Yeah. Um, and so that's what's so crazy is like I like planned and I did like all of my research for law school. I was like, I'm going to be over prepared. Like, I'm going to be ready. And then the pandemic happened. And then it's like like all of the people I reached out to before all the lawyers, all the, like the law students who are ahead of me. Like, I felt like all that advice just went out the window. Cause you're just like, while yes, you, you know, went to law school, you didn't go to law school during a pandemic. So then, you know, it's like, I feel like, like, you know, my class and I, and everyone who went to, mm -hmm. you know, law school last year um, for the first time, like we're, you know, we're just like in this different category. Cause it's like, not only is it law school, but it's like at a distance. Um, and so then like this year, fast forward to this year, we, uh, we were in person for two weeks and then we had so many cases that now we're like back at home for two weeks and it's kind of like a trial period, right. but it's just so crazy where it's like, I know more of law school, like zoom than in person, because like how you're saying, like, it's supposed to be one of those things where it's like you foster discussions and you have like, you know, like political debates. Like that was one of the huge things that like you know, brought me to it. Cause it was like talking about stuff that I feel like matters. Um, and, and then when you're on zoom, like that's lost. Mm -hmm. Like I was kind of shocked today when you said that you were, you know, working on a lecture and you, you know, just finished. I was like, wait, is he in his apartment? Because it was like literally like three weeks ago, you, uh, another friend of ours, uh, Connor, um, we were in a group chat together and you said how, you know, you were so excited because you're going back to in person and you're going to yeah. actually have, you know, debates and everything like that. And so, yeah, I feel like that's got to be kind of a, a blow to the morale for the entire <laughs> class to have to go back to zoom. It, um, you could, you could see it in everybody's face. Cause it was kind of like, you know, we've been in timeout for a year and then like, we all got to like hang out with our friends again. And then it was like, <laughs> I mean, it really felt like, like the first day of school again, um, being in person. Cause again, these are all just basically like faces on a screen that you're finally getting to interact with. And then right. for that to be taken away from us again, it, it was a, it was a tough pill to swallow, but you were asking, you know, going back to your question about like, what's law school like, like one of the best things and anybody who's listening, who's interested is like, they, they teach you so much, like it's so applicable to like life lessons, but t quick, you know, thinking on your feet and like adjusting, like becoming adaptable. And, and so, um, 
that's just kind of the one thing that's like been so true this whole year. And especially during the pandemic, it's just like, the only thing certain is uncertainty and you just kind of like roll with it. And so it's just like, okay, yeah, we gotta <laughs> go back. But um, like one thing that is good is like saving on gas and like traffic and stuff. So that's fair. I, because traffic in one over there is not super great. Right. No. And you've been, yeah. You, um, well, that was, I feel that terrible. Was, Cause yeah, I was over there right at the beginning of COVID as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was, uh, Shelby and I were visiting, uh, one of our uh, our friend Nikki, who was uh, at the time earning her PhD um, in uh, uh, Athens, and that was my first time over in Georgia. And uh, we actually went hiking. We went up to like these waterfalls way up, like north or yeah, northeast corner of Georgia. And it was gorgeous. I was kind of surprised to find actual mountains. Um, I, <laughs> I was I was honestly shocked. I had no idea there were like actual mountains over there. Um, but yeah, I mean, even here in Austin, it completely changed the landscape. Like traffic went to nothing yeah. during the pandemic. Like everything was silent. It felt like it was it just really changed the city. And it you know, we're starting to bounce back a little. We've got ACL coming up here soon. Um so we got a bunch of live music even though Stevie Nicks dropped out. Um Dang. Which yeah, Stevie Nicks, which I guess she said, you know, for her health and everything, you know, she's yeah. She's up there, but they replaced her with Duran Duran, <laughs> which <laughs> I, I mean, I guess like, I, are there any Duran Duran's left Duran Duran fans left in the world? I don't know. Um, it just, it seemed like for the headlining act, it seemed like an odd replacement. Um, well, I wonder if they're just going like genre or like time frame. But, well, it's because no. it, it, I don't know if you know anything about ACL, but they split it up into two weekends. I think I think it's two weekends, and the first weekend it's like whatever, and then they you know it's like any festival where they have bands play throughout the day, and then the night it gets to the headliner for that weekend. But ACL, yeah. like the main headliners, are the last show of the last weekend. Yeah. So now it's Tyler the Creator and Duran Duran. But the first weekend, they're finishing with Miley Cyrus and George Strait. Yeah. And so I'm like, why would you not just reschedule Miley Cyrus and George Strait for the major yeah. headline weekend? Like, to me, that would make sense. But um, maybe there's some legal issues. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that that's kind of like the the big question of our time right now is just like, how safe is safe? Um, and it's really kind of becoming, I feel like, like, you know, a personal choice about like, you know, are you, because nobody like at this point, I feel like like companies um, are pretty understanding. And so like if people back out, like, they, you know, it's happened so many times now that there's protocols in place. Mm -hmm. So you can't like shame somebody into performing anymore, but, but yeah, no, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. Who knows? But that's one of the biggest festivals. And that's honestly how I heard about Austin was, yeah, was that festival. Man, how how has the COVID impacted you personally? Like, have you been holding up all right? Yeah, no, thankfully. Um, I appreciate you asking that. It's very yeah. kind and courteous. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was crazy. Like, at the beginning of it, um, I guess when, uh, like, I started seeing it in the news, like, in February of 2020. Uh, but it was, I saw I have a roommate that um that we roomed together in France. She's Chinese. And so she lives in China. Um, and so like it hit them, you know, first. And so I was getting all of her updates and she was just telling me how bad it was. And, you know, at the time it was like, well, that's on the other side of the world. Oh, a hundred percent. I think that that was everybody's mindset. Yeah. And then, and then like late February, beginning of March, it was like New York and Italy. Um, and you're just like, okay, well, it's still kind of far away. Um, and then, so I was working out at a gym. Um, I want to say it was like middle of March. And I remember when I went to the gym, I was like, I probably shouldn't be going here. But after that, like I kind of got sick and I still don't know what it is. Like it could have been it. It could have not been it, but like we didn't have testing then. Um, and so it's kind of like whatever. So mm -hmm. at the beginning I kind of got sick. Um, but then since then, thankfully like nothing. Um, and so I was kind of one of the, I guess the last years, you know, to get the, the vaccine, but I had like horrible reaction to the vaccine. Um, me too. I, I yeah. was, um, after, especially my first shot, I was pretty, 
sick, but my second shot, I had to, I had to call in from work the next day. I was so sick. It's like, oh my goodness, it hit me hard. Oh, which one did you get? Uh, I got Pfizer. Okay, um, and I got Moderna. Did you Ooh. get was so were both shots bad for you or just one? No, the first shot, I you know, I was a little nauseous and had a little fatigue, but the second shot, I was. I had like vertigo. I was nauseous. It was dizzy. Yeah. Like I had a massive headache. Um, yeah. I basically had to sleep for just like 24 hours to get past it. Oh yeah. So my first shot was scheduled like in April. Um, and it was so funny cause like, you know, for the longest time it was like, when's the vaccine getting here? When's the vaccine getting here? Right. When's it getting here? And then, and then it was like so selective about like who qualified and then the limited doses. So I literally got mine like in the, like the mountains of Georgia, as opposed to like, you know, Atlanta. Um, and, but it was like towards the end of the semester and it knocked me out for like three, four days. Oh, really? And like I was no- normally like on the student schedule, like going to bed one, two AM. I was going to bed at like eight, eight thirty every night. Wow. Um, like it was the same thing. Like immediately when it hit, like I felt flush, my arm hurt fever, et cetera. And then I went to Chick-fil-A to treat myself and my <laughs> first sip, I couldn't taste it. I couldn't taste it. It was crazy. Um, God and, it hit you hard yeah. then. Yeah. And so I was so nervous about that. that they scheduled my second dose during finals and I was like, uh-uh. So I didn't get my second dose till July. Um, <laughs> and when I went and they were like, wow, it's been a while. And you're like, yep. <laughs> yes, it has. Yes, it has. <laughs> very observant it's funny i got my first shot literally on my birthday so i was like thanks guys it's funny though because we i got mine it was still the 65 year old uh, like 65 and above range and like anyone with health issues and so i got mine through ut health because at the time i was still working for ut athletics and you have to fill out like you know health screen and everything and (laughs) according to ut health i am overweight and uh, for those who don't know me, I'm 6'3", 230 pounds. And according to UT Health, that's overweight, I guess. And so I was <laughs> I was able to get get my shot. I felt bad because I went in to do it, and I'm just surrounded by all these older people. Yeah. It's like I'm, I'm sorry, folks. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna get it now. Like here I am. Oh my god. Well, and it's funny because at the beginning I would have been like, "How dare you, Dalen?" But then now it's like you know people still won't get you know yeah like now we have the surplus or as far as I remember, um, and you know it's like people are still you know resistant to getting it, um, but it's so crazy yeah because I've had friends kind of like similar thing because like I've got asthma and I think technically like I could have got in on one of those right, um, but I didn't know like because I wasn't working for uh, like a college I didn't know like how to get that qualification. Um, if it's like, Hey, do I just walk up and say, Hey, I have asthma. Um, so I waited <laughs> towards, towards the end, but I was mm-hmm. like so nervous. Cause it was just like my mom, she's a nurse and she got hers in like January. Right. Um, and then like, it was old, like she had already had both her doses before I got mine. Wow. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Man, so kind of taking it back to law school and I'm, and you don't have to really go into it. I'm just curious. Um, and any of your courses have, your professors like gone into the like kind of some of the legality things surrounding COVID and the vaccines at all, or do y'all kind of stick mostly with, I guess, like precedents and whatnot? Um, another excellent question. Um, yeah. So that's kind of depending on like what the subject is, but somehow or another, we'll always end up kind of talking about it. Really? Um, the problem is, is the way that law school is going to one of your questions is they teach by something called the Socratic method. And that's basically like, if you're the student, I'm the professor, you stand up and I just ask you like rapid fire, like 20 questions oh, and, boy. and you just got to like answer them. And can it's you, about like the case that you read. Can you give me an example? Can you, can you, do you have any questions you could rapid fire real quick as an example <laughs> of what that is? Okay, so I'll just make up a case. Um, real quick before I do that, the reason why I said that is though that we're reading mostly, I mean, it's all called appellate cases, which have been cases that have been lost and then they're on appeal. Right. And so they're um and so like there's no COVID cases in our books. However, 
our professors will apply, you know, their knowledge and they'll be like, this is what we think will happen, but you know, we won't see anything for probably five or 10 years. And then that'll be crazy. And I'll be really interested to like look back and being like, Hey, we thought that they were going to do this and then seeing what the courts actually do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I'll give you an example um, with Socratic method. So it'll be Dalen versus the uh, state of Montana. We'll take you back to your roots. Oh, there we go. Um, or Turk versus um, the, the state of Montana. And so I don't know, let's just say the, the case is about, you know, Jeez, what do I know about? This is a great <laughs> um, <laughs> throwing you we'll into hypothetical say, here. Okay, we'll we'll just do you know a Second Amendment. Let's let's get the the political pot stirring. Oh, they're taking uh, away my guns. Yeah, oh, and man. so so the first one they'll just be like, okay, so tell us about the case. Um, and so you'd give like a factual uh, you know history about. Oh, okay, well, Mister Turk one day you know walked into a store and they arrested him and he said, you ain't taking my guns away. Um, and so you would give like all the factual, you know, instances about the case and then they would be like, okay, then what's the issue here? And so then there'll be like a legal issue and it'll be like, you know, does Mr. Turk, the, uh, you know, uh, defendant, does he have, you know, the cause of action against, um, you know, the university of Montana for, the constitutional, you know, his, his second amendment was his second amendment rights violated. And that'll kind of be like the big issue about what the case is about. However, they will ask you so many little questions that you kind of like forget about the big picture mm-hmm. and they'll be like, okay, well, um, you know, well, what happened in the, you know, the lower court? And then you'll just be like, wait, what? How did it get up to the Supreme court? And you'll be like, so then you have to give, you know, it's called the procedural history. And I'll be like, well, you know, he lost, um, you know, at the state level. And then, you know, he took it to the federal courts and then, you know, he lost there. And then, and so is then it, you give like the whole procedural history. The more detailed then, you get is, is the better, or is it just kind of a general, this is what happened, move on to the next answer. It depends on the professor. Um, and fun fact, that is like the law school answer to anything. So for all you listeners out there, if you want to be a lawyer, just say it depends. That's actually hilarious because <laughs> my journalism ethics professor, Dennis Swibold, every time he's like, and remember, it depends. Exactly. <laughs> um, so some some professors will be like more focused on like the rule of law versus some will be like, tell us more about the facts. Mm-hmm. Some will be more about like opening up a debate. And so, and so, I mean, you just don't know and you're kind of like on the hot seat. Um, and so, so like if I was a, a professor who cared more about like, like, you know, current topics and about the second amendment, I could like pause and be like, okay, you know, outside of this case, you know, what do you believe, you know, is what should the court do here? Do you think mm. it was a constitutional violation? And then you kind of give like your opinion, but you have to give it like professionally. Right. You can't be like, well, this is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this is you stupid, like, professor. Well, you know, um, I know there's no ruling in Montana, but in Idaho, you know, state versus um, right. John you're, Smith. You're giving an actual backed up opinion. Yeah, yeah. And so you'd be like, well, the court could pull from that jurisdiction, even though it's not binding, it's persuasive. Um and and then they'll be like, okay, well, what does that really mean? And so, and then they just keep like basically like deconstructing your argument and your points to eventually you're like flustered, and you're just like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not, you know, some people say it's like to embarrass you, mm-hmm. which maybe, but a lot of it's to get you to that point about like, all right, choosing your words precisely right. because. Um, and I'm sure, you know, you know this in, in journalism, but even, you know, in the athletic world, words like you can have one word that has like 10 different meanings. Oh yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's like if, um, you know, back in our Grizz athletic days, um, you know, <laughs> if Paul Artia was like, Hey, go pick that up. You're like, well, what's that? Are you talking mm-hmm. about the helmet? Are you talking about the water cooler? Are you talking about, oh, just just go clean? And you're like, what does clean mean? You know, it's like, and so, and that's what, like, you got to pick your words. Well, it's, it's interesting you you bring up yeah. the importance of your words. And have you seen the movie, The the Trial of the Chicago 7? No, but I've heard good things about it. Wonderful, wonderful movie. Aaron Sorkin's the greatest. Um, but you know, it's, it's about the civil rights case of the, the seven, um, civil rights activists who started a riot or whatever, and they're all put on trial. And 
they they're discussing because at, at one point they're at, at it was at the beginning of the the riot or whatever and um one of the guys is on stage giving his speech and he says you know some along the lines of like we will not stop even if you know our blood sheds across the city and so the prosecution is taking at them as saying we're going to shed blood all over the city you know they they were going to cause bloodshed everywhere and they're sitting down, the defendants are sitting with their lawyers, is, you know, after the trial and everything, just kind of going over things, talking, talking, talking. And he's like, you know, what were your exact words? And he said, you know, we will shed our blood across the city. He said, our. And it, it's the point that you make of how words are so important. It, that yeah. just brought back that memory from that movie and that case of the one word changed the entire trial. Yeah. And so it's I, I understand why this method is so important in terms of learning law and the the words that come with it. Oh, yeah. No, dude. And thanks for sharing that. Yeah. No. And it's crazy because it's like. You've got like air quotes, you know, real people language and then you've got, you know, a lawyer language. And um, and one of the biggest ones, like I love contracts is like the word contract and <laughs> legally you learn like what that means. But like to, you know, everyday people, including myself, like what I used to think it would mean is just like, Oh, here's a piece of paper. Like, you know, Dalen works for Grizz athletics, you know, and you signed your W2 and like, we have a contract mm -hmm. technically. Yes, but technically no. And so when people just think about, it, they just think about like literally like a piece of paper. Um, and that's what I used to think. And it was so hard realizing that like I had to change my thinking. And so your first year, they really just teach you how to like read again and write again. Um, and you're, you're basically learning like an entirely different language. Um, and so it's like, I kind of love politics now, but I kind of hate it too. Cause it's like, you can only, um, when you have conversations with people about politics, it's like, it's just so freaking complex and there's so many mm -hmm. things at work, but like how you're talking about what the words, you know, matter, um, like with, uh, you know, um, the impeachment, um, you know, even of this year. And, um, you know, I think a lot of it, what they tried to draw on was, you know, what Trump was saying, you know, at his rally. Um, and it's like, did that incite a riot? Um, and connotation denotation like you know exactly like i mean it's just it's mind-blowing um how have you noticed so that's what i love about it though how have you noticed your your recognition of that like i noticed for me especially coming out of college in college when i got into the more um higher 400 500 level journalism courses is my my news literacy kind of shot way up yeah and I feel like there's, you know, there's kind of a, a line that can be drawn between the journalism world of, you know, being news literate and just, you know, literate of, you know, words in general in a different way. And um, I think it's comparable to law school. So what what ways have you noticed that you personally have changed in your understanding of things like that? Jeez, I feel like I'm in therapy. This is awesome. <laughs> I'm reflecting and how much have I grown? <laughs> um, but, but no, I think that that's a, a, such a great, uh, you know, example, because I'm sure, you know, when you're reading different news sources, you can tell that, like, it takes them five paragraphs to basically say, yeah, we're screwed. But they won't say we're <laughs> screwed. And you've got to, like, connect the dots. Um or you'll read something and you'd be like, this is what makes me angry. And somebody who's not, um, you know, in journalism be like, what? They were just like, you know, reporting about the weather. And you're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no. You're, you're like, look at this, 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 and this. And they're like, how do you see all that? And mm -hmm. it's just, you know, it's your training. Um, and so I think that that's what's been crazy for me is just like, um, yeah, I mean, gotcha journalism. And then just like news sources and stuff like that. And just being that like, when you're having outside sources who are not in the legal world commenting on like um, legal stuff, like it's just, I kind of equate it to like, you know, like the sports talk shows and I'll give you a great example. I was watching ESPN the other day or not the other day, this is a few years ago. I love Mark Wahlberg, Marky Mark. What, mm -hmm. what? Um, <laughs> they literally had Mark Wahlberg commenting on Boston sports and under his, it didn't say actor. It just said Mark Wahlberg. Boston, fan, Boston sports fan. And I was like, is that all that qualifies? 
<laughs> is that all that I was like, it takes? Like, hey, all right, he watches sports, and so he can give you the lowdown about what's going to happen Friday night. And then Rex Ryan, um, you know, former mm-hmm. Jets coach, he's commenting on basketball. I was like, what? Yeah. Like, I like that's like, it's I the did. same as like a, yeah. uh, uh, Shannon Sharp with Skip Bayless. Yeah, going back and forth, but it's like. Okay, I mean, I guess, like, I sure, but like, yeah. I'm also no. It's, I mean, it's yeah. I get that. That's a really good yeah. example. Yeah, though. and so it's like I love those guys, and I get you know trying to diversify yourself, and um, in the camping world, we call it cross training, and it's like you want to you know be more adaptable and then marketable and et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, you're just like, are you really qualified to be speaking on this? Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of like like the hot issues of our days, like mask mandates um you know voting rights um abortion gay rights stuff like that like so much of that is an emotional trigger for people oh yeah they get caught up in the emotional argument Mm -hmm. and that's what's been hard for me and i'm still working on that but it's like okay once you let your emotions calm down then like attacking it logically and being like what are the points they're trying to make um and it's kind of like if you get into like a an argument with like a significant other it's like they could be making really great points, but because it hurts you, you know, you may react negatively. Mm-hmm. But once you've had some time to calm down and then you're like, like, oh, OK, like, yeah, I should take out the trash more or, you know, maybe I shouldn't <laughs> cuss as much. But like and that's what I've really realized is just so much about like our world, regardless of the industry. It seems like so many people just stop at the emotional reaction. Mm-hmm. And then they think that like, okay, that's it. Um, and like with all this stuff with like, um, you know, I felt like like with our former president is just, you know, he built his campaign a lot on, you know, emotions. Yeah. Um, and, and so a lot of that stuff, like he couldn't back up, but like he didn't really, this might be, you know, debatable, but he didn't really have to because it was just like he was already in power and then, you know, he could air quotes do what he wanted but but that's what happens where it's just like then when you actually sit down because um I, I just saw an article the other day that one of the oh god i can't believe this but one of the lawyers who was representing him and you know voter fraud in michigan i think it was like they're potentially going to get disbarred because like the judges rake them over the coals and was just like you're a lawyer like you should know better like this right. is not <laughs> you can't get caught up in politics like there's no Cause that's one of the things like you have to have a valid claim. You don't have to prove every fact, but you just have to be able to bring something that like, mm-hmm. do I have an injury? Like, is this, you know, can I actually go to trial with this? And the judges were so mad cause they're like, these are baseless claims and no. you're a lawyer and you should know this. I, I remember that, you know, it was, it was after the, um, the election, you know, and it was, uh, between, um, election day and inauguration day, you know, all these, Lawsuits are coming forth in you know, all these different battleground states and cases were being tossed left and right because they had nothing. It was yeah. all based off of just reactionary impulse to just yeah. attack in the courts. Yeah. So does yeah. does law school do like what in law school? Is there like are you con- in what ways are you conditioned to fight that emotional response to things? Like, are you just. Like, is it just ingrained to you to just fact, fact, fact? <laughs> Another great question. Um, yeah. So I think it's the opposite. Um, it's, and this sounds terrible, but um, yeah, you just read so many cases that they just become like numbers to you. And the names, like, I mean, these are real cases about like stuff that happened to real people. But you're so focused on your assignments that like, at least for me, like I compartmentalize and it's just like, I'm just so focused on like trying to find the answers Mm -hmm. that like, I'm like emotionally detached from the case, but you'll be reading stuff and, um, and like, I mean, criminal, that was like really hard because like you're reading about like, oh, so-and-so raped so-and-so and then, you know, shot her dog. And, but that's like, and this sounds terrible, but that's like a minor part to like what's actually happening in the case. Right. And you're thinking like, what, like as a human being, you're like, that should be the most important part about what happened. But Mm -hmm. like, you can't win arguments being like, oh, you know, he's a bad dude because of X, Y, and Z. You've got to be like, no, this is the law. This is what's happened before. And this is why, you know, he needs to go to jail. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so it's just, I don't know, it's like sheer volume. Right. Um, and, you know, shifting industries, I was having a conversation with uh, one of my girlfriend's friends and they, you know, they're nurses and like, especially now during the pandemic, but like, she was just telling me, you know, the amount of dead bodies that she's seen. And I was right. just like, Are you, like, this is just crazy. That blows my mind. But, you know, for better, or for worse, I guess, you know, that's a revolution or evolutionary tactic. It's just once you see something enough times, you just kind of like get desensitized to it. But right. people see that as like a negative, which it can be if you become a terrible person. But mm. I think it's like a protective thing where it's just like I'm able to deal with like this crap. Um, because you know, this is, this is my defense mechanism. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a, a point in college, I think it was my senior year. It was for a, a feature writing class and I was doing a, uh, an in-depth investigation into a, a double homicide that happened in Missoula. I think it was in like 20, uh, this late 2017, I think it was. And, um, it was this case in which a, a 24 year old and a 15 year old, were found dismembered and their bodies were put into um, basically plastic totes filled with chemicals to decompose their bodies. Wow. And I, I was doing a, a really, a really in-depth investigation into it. And I found that the 15 year old and the 24 year old were involved basically. And obviously this, you know, this isn't all, exactly perfectly proven in court and everything but you know this is just in my inv investigation what i found um for those who are listening um i found that they were involved in basically this underground sex and drug ring ran by this man and the two people who uh the two murderers um and they would the man would use one of his daughters to basically lure in young girls and put them on drugs and he would sexually assault them and rape them Jeez. and this man he he's now serving multiple hundred year uh sentences in deer lodge uh prison in montana but i remember i was in the courthouse looking through court documents of his specific cases and you know i'm reading through all this horrible stuff and they it's it's you know all minors and so they have their names blocked out and i'm reading through and it's terrible 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 i'm getting through it but i got to this one document and it's basically, you know, I don't know the name of the document, but it's where they say, you know, he is, you know, officially charged with blank of victim's name and then, you know, the whatever it is. But they didn't block out any of the victim's names in this document. And wow. it was, for some reason, it was at that moment of reading, you know, and these are... 11 12 nine year old girls yeah. and it was it was at that moment of seeing their names just like hit me like a wall and i remember you know i'm sitting there in a computer in the courthouse and i, I just clicked out logged off ran to my journalism building and went up to the any professor i just went into their offices and just anybody who was at their desk i was like i, I need to talk to you and i sat down and talked with lee banville um, he's an incredible journalism professor, and I talked with him for like two hours about this entire investigation because it just – that moment hit me so hard, and I just was not prepared for it. Um, yeah. Like it was it was a really intense moment for me. Um, it was really – it was I'd, I'd never done an investigation like that before. I'd, I'd never done, you know written anything about that heavy of a topic, and it, you know it, I'm all into true crime and everything and whatnot, but – for some reason it was just so real in that moment. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, I guess it's one of those things where, like you said, you have to learn how to get through it and, you know, obviously think bigger picture, but man, that was an intense, really intense. Oh moment. yeah. No, no, I, I can imagine. Um, yeah. And so, um, this is crazy. So the summer I was, um, interning with, with two attorneys. And so one of them, I was actually, um, given the opportunity to be, you know, part of a murder trial. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And so seeing it from like start to finish and it was, that was a crazy experience. And so he sent me over all the documents and, uh, and so I was, I was reading everything and they got to the pictures and I didn't look at the pictures. So I go in the next day and I talked to him and he was like, so what do you think of the pictures? And I told him, I was like, I was like, I didn't want to look at them. Cause like, to me, like I'm focused more on like, like training my thinking about like, 
you know, like, all right, well, what's the legal strategy here? Like, how can we, you know, get around this, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And he was like, he's like, you need to look at him. Um, he said, and he told me the story when he was first starting out, he was a little squeamish. Um, and he said that cause he worked for the, um, the state first before he opened up his own practice. And so he said that, All right. um, I think the district attorney, like he walked into his op like his office, the actual attorney that I'm talking about. Um, and there were pictures of like dead bodies, like all over like his office. And the district attorney was basically like, you know, sink or swim. Like I got to throw you in. And it's like, you got to get like desensitized to this. Like you can't, you know, you got to learn how to compartmentalize that because like, that's what you're getting paid to do. Um, right. and, and that's just kind of crazy where it's like, um, I have another friend who's a EMT, um, or he's a firefighter EMT, but like, you know, the amount of dead bodies that he's seen. And it's like, if there's an emergency and you have a firefighter show up and he's just like, Oh God, like it's a fire. Like everybody <laughs> run. Like what would, like, how bad would you feel? We're like, you're supposed to be helping me calm me down. And like, you got, you know, Johnny who has no idea what he's doing and he's scared, you know, showing up on his first fire. And like, I get, you know, first time nerves, but like, you know, like they see it, you know, it becomes practice and repetition. And it mm -hmm. sounds terrible to say, but it's like, and I was talking to him about it. I was like, well, how have you, you know, how do you deal with this? And you've, you just got to find outlets. Um, and so he plays guitar and like, I'm trying to get back into basketball, but like, yeah. you just can't. Yeah, because I mean it's just it's so heavy and there's not right. like a, there's not really like a everybody's got their own reaction to it and mm -hmm. you just can't let it like eat at you because that stuff happens unfortunately and it's like it's a part of life. Well, we're we're coming up on time here, um, so to to end on a slightly lighter note, <laughs> um, for for anybody who's just now starting law school or debating on going into law school or you know maybe they're it's not even a thought in their head what yeah. advice or what tips or you know whatever words of wisdom may you have for those who are maybe uh thinking about taking on that trek don't do it no. <laughs> stay <Run>. away <laughs> um yeah no um i'm i think that's what's crazy is it's like to me it's kind of a little bit similar to undergrad um where it's like you go in with these ideas and then by the time you're done, you feel like, like it's very different. And then even once you're done and then you get into the real world, you know, even that's so different than your experience. Um, so yeah, just being in a place about being like, like maybe don't ask, Oh, what do I want to do? Or like what law I want to study, but it's just like figuring out, you know, it's like what makes you tick. And, um, and that's the cool thing about law is like, I mean, there's anything and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my friend's dad's like, he's a patent lawyer and that's like such a specified, like, um, no kidding. Field. Yeah. But it's like, I'm almost a hundred percent positive. Like he never goes to court and like, he works like a big firm and like probably does, you know, just paperwork. Right. Um, and he probably mostly just deals with like contract negotiations and like settling stuff. Um, whereas like the attorney that I was working for this summer, like he's pretty much always in court mm -hmm. and like, he like talks all the time. And so it's like, you can make it work for your personality type. Um, and so, you know, I would say, you know, if, um, go to a school that's like kind of affordable. Um, I mean, they're all not affordable, but like <laughs> there's a difference between, um, if you can get into Harvard, then do it. Like who cares about the money, but you know, Harvard's like 60, 70,000 a year versus oh. like an, like an in-state school could be anywhere from like 20 to 30. And, um, and you know, and it's like, that's like, you know, half of your debt. So like being smart financially, but trying it out the first year just sucks. You just got to hang on. Um, and yeah, just basically like push through the pain and it's like, what was so crazy. And that's what was so hard this summer was like, I hadn't had like any experience in, in law. Um, and so this summer I got like real experience and it's so different from law school. So it's like, it's kind of good and bad where it's like, you can be a little bit burnt out, but then also just realizing that like school is school no matter what. And like, you just kind of got to get through it. But at the end of the day, like, you know, if it's something that you're passionate about and like, for me, like engaging with people, um, like, you know, trying to solve problems. Like I love all that stuff. Um, 
And yeah. And then what's great is like, even if you graduate, like there, it's still like an incredible degree to have, even if you don't become a lawyer and you can do so many other things. Um, somebody who's kind of hopefully going to help me out. Um, one of my professors, her husband, they both went to law school and like, he's working for like a financial firm doing nothing with the law, but because of his law degree, like he was able to like be a lawyer for a few years. And then now he's like working in the financial world, Hmm. but it's just like, it's a good way to like improve yourself, like improve your writing, improve your thinking. And when I say improve, I meant like, it kind of goes what we're talking about, but it's like, you can, it's okay to have emotional reactions to things, but Unfortunately, the way that world works is like logic wins and not rarely emotions sometimes. Um, and so that's what I love about this is like it kind of gives you a platform to to take what you're passionate about, take what you know frustrates you about the world and then equips you and almost weaponizes you, you know, so that you can, you know, attack those things that like frustrate you. Um, but yeah. And if yeah anybody has any other questions they can reach out to dale and get you in contact with me (laughs) there you go folks go ahead dive on into law school if you're thinking about it i hear it's a great time uh clint uh before we sign off is there anything you want to plug anything (laughs) any shows any out anything you're involved with anything your girlfriend's involved with do you want to throw out to the world so there's this great podcast guys and the host is named dale and turk um and if you're listening now, then tell five friends and then they'll tell their five friends. And then before you know it, Dalen can be the number one podcast on iTunes. So that's my first plug. He's a great guy and everything's awesome. Um, oh, thank you. With, thank his, you. with his beliefs and then also with, um, yeah, with his work ethic. So this is awesome. Um, Got to plug Connor Bryan and Brian Media. Um, yes, Brian Media Montana. Productions. Yes, yes. Um, he does incredible work, not only photography skills but also editing, and he is getting involved in the movie industry. And so he is super awesome. And I wish I knew more about what he does so that I could give you some great <laughs> stuff. But just because I don't know doesn't mean that he doesn't because he's awesome. Yeah. Uh, um. Let's see what else. A plug for peace and happiness and um, world, uh, the end of world hunger. Um, no, um, I'm watching a French show. Um, <laughs> in, in Great. English, what is it's called it? Call My Agent, but in French, it's a Dispel Song. And that's a, it's a really funny show. Um, and it's great. Um, that's my, I guess, French plug. Um, yeah. And then, <laughs> oh, and then Kinsey and I are watching Gilmore Girls and I've never seen oh, it. So this is the first time I'm watching it. Gilmore Girls. It's a good time. You know, it's, it's fine. Like, <laughs> you know, it's Gilmore Girls. Like, it's well, no it's filling the void from when we watch One Tree Hill and that's a show I will push. Um, One Tree Hill is amazing. And then they just started a podcast, um, the three kind of main actresses they're kind of doing their own podcast right. oh, wow. um, and so they just they go through i think that's like a thing now but um because like pam from the office yep. and angela from the office shelby's like they a, go through yeah yeah shelby's a big episode. fan of that yeah and they talk about like behind the scenes stuff but but no thank you so much like this has been awesome and to all the listeners out there dalen's worth his weight in gold and then some <laughs> Thank you very much. Right back at you, good friend. Um, if y'all want to oh, get, wait, and then don't oh. you still do the custom rods? I don't. Um, no, I have not built a rod since uh, I moved to Texas. I actually sold off a bunch of my uh, rod building gear um, not too long ago. I still got like the main stuff, but like a bunch of the small stuff. I was like, I don't need this if I want to build a rod. I'll just order the stuff. Um, but I'm actually I'm gonna be building um, here soon a, an Austin FC themed fly rod, um, so no it's gonna way. be all green and black and cool looking. Um, well, hopefully you'll be reeling in the business. I guess if anybody wants to buy a custom made fly rod, let me know. I guess <laughs> for for context in college, I I ran a small word of mouth business building. He was making money hand over fist. Oh, absolutely. What you don't know is Dalen's on the Forbes top one hundred. Yep. Um, he's he's low key. He's just he's just giving the impression. Yeah. Um, I I just I like to stay humble. 
You know, I like to <laughs> stay connected to my roots. Uh, <laughs> but no, um, I, God, that's so funny you brought that up. Um, <laughs> if anybody's listening and they do want to get a hold of me, um, they can send an email at pwbnetwork at gmail.com. You can check out the website at podcastwithoutborders.com. Check out the other shows. Uh, check out Social Discord. We just recently posted our uh, uh, the second part of the series on uh, the history of police in America. Um, that is a uh, very heavy hitter, so check it out if you're interested. Um, the 900 Things, as usual, 900 Things I Hate. Uh, good stuff. Uh, yeah, if y'all want to do that, check it out. Otherwise, we will talk to y'all in the next episode. Thanks for coming by. Thank you for listening to In All Sincerity. If you want to find out more about our show and other shows on the Podcast Without Borders network, make sure you check out our website at podcastwithoutborders.com. If you want to contact us, send us an email at pwbnetwork at gmail.com. Make sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Instagram so you can see all of our updates on our shows and what's going on at the network. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all in the next episode.